Well, good to see everybody here. Been a while since I've been here doing all the uh, social distancing and uh, trying to stay safe and all of that. It has been kind of a, uh, a very unusual year to say the least. Um, <clears throat> and for all those people out in uh, TV land, I'll try not to wander too much sideways and, and lose the camera here. But what the last time I was up here, um, talking from the pulpit, I talked about Abraham and Isaac and Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac and the fact that it was not your normal test in that the person giving or the, 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 the testor, if you will, already knew the outcome of the test before it was ever given. Most of the time when we, when we take a test, the guy giving the test doesn't know what the outcome's going to be. Um, oftentimes we don't either. But um, in this case, God did. And so the whole point of the test was for Abraham's benefit. And as I, as I thought about trials and testing and all of that, um, you can't help but notice that James chapter 1 contributes a significant amount of our understanding of why we go through some of the things we go through in life uh, in terms of trials and tribulation and troubles and all of that. So um, I want to uh, look at James chapter 1. Um, this has always been kind of a fuzzy passage for me. Never really, never really got a good handle on it. And I, and I, I want to bring it into focus for us as we, as we go through this tonight. Um, kind, of, kind of bringing uh, into focus the trials and tribulation and why they happen in our lives and, and what to expect out of it. Um, what, what, what benefit they are, what, what good are we going to get out of it. So, um, having said that, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll turn to James chapter 1 and, and uh, kind of pick our way through that. Heavenly Father, we pray for uh, <clears throat> understanding and insight into your word. Lord, as we, uh, as we live our lives in, um, in the midst of um, what oftentimes is trials and tribula tribulation, um, Father, I pray that you would, um, you would help us to understand uh, what's going on, why it's happening, um, what we're supposed to do in the midst of it, and, um, and our response in... Uh, in the process. Father, uh, I pray that the uh, meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn in your Bibles to uh, James chapter 1. James is, uh, is kind of a, 
unique book, terribly practical. Um, and he's a little bit kind of like me in that he doesn't, um, he doesn't spend a lot of time with greetings and stuff. Um, right, after, right after the first couple of verses, he jumps right into the middle of what he wants to say. Um, I tend to do that. When, uh, when I was working, I'd call my boss up on the phone and um, I'd immediately, because he recognized my voice and he had caller ID and I knew it. So um, he knew who was calling and I'd immediately jump into the problem that I was having. And he, his first response is, good morning to you too. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't mess around with, with any of the, the um, frivolities or, or anything like that. James doesn't either. He gets right into it, terribly practical. Um, and as James writes, he's writing to Jewish believers who are scattered around the world outside of Palestine. So, so what James writes is not particular to any group of people, um, any, any local church that they're having problems with or uh, some of the other things that you might see happening in some of the other books in the New Testament. Like 1 Corinthians, for instance. 1 Corinthians is dealing with a number of problems that are happening at Corinth. James doesn't do that. It's pretty, pretty broad and pretty generic and um, pretty universal. Um, and he starts right off with trials and tribulations. Um, <clears throat> so, first thing I want to do is look at verses 1 through 18 in James. And I'll be reading out of the New Living, uh, probably not what you're reading out of, but, um, and if it's not, it might be kind of hard to follow along but, but uh, in your Bibles, but just kind of listen as I read it, and um, I'm sure you'll, you'll, um, you'll get the gist of it here. <clears throat> this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask your, our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not be, expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor and have something to boast about for God have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And for those who are rich, those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. 
They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desire, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chooses to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. Okay, like I said, James kind of jumps, jumps right into um, the, um, the subject of trials. Um, it doesn't spend a lot of time in greeting uh, people, or, or anything, he, uh, he jumps right in. And kind of the first thing that we're, we're going to see is that trials can turn lumps of coal into dazzling diamonds. Trials can turn lumps of coal into dazzling diamonds. Trials is where life's rubber meets the road. We all have them. Nobody gets a free, free pass. We all get them to a greater or lesser extent. Um, Everybody goes through trials and testing. Now, there's a couple of things that, or at least one thing that you need to to understand about about the terms trials and testing. In, In the Greek language, it all came, trials and testing and temptation, um, troubles, they all were translated from the same basic Greek word. Um, in, in verses uh, 2 and verse 12, those are the same words. So what, what dictates what is being talked about is the context. The context will, will kind of tell you whether it's a, a temptation or a trial or a trouble that life has, has uh, brought past us. In verse 3, though, it's a little different word. Um, <clears throat> both, um, both trials and temptations are a test of our faith. Um, they have that in common. And by that I mean whether we will trust and obey God. That, that's at the root of the trials, or the temptation. This translation did not say this, but it can be any trials or or troubles can be any problem that comes along. Um, The NASB said various trials. 
um, your your translation may say something similar. It's it's a very broad perspective. Um, some people going through COVID nineteen are going through trials. They're going through tribulation. Um, I would not put myself in that category. You may not put yourself in that category. Um, it just kind of depends upon our circumstances um, and, and kind of how the, the trials and the tribulations affect us. If, if uh, I was laid off from my job and um, I did not know where you know, food was coming from, how I was going to pay the mortgage or the rent, um, it would it would up the uh, it would up the intensity of the trial and the tribulation. For me, it's been more of an inconvenience than a trial or or a trouble. But for other people, um, it's it's definitely um, a bona fide, real life problem in their lives. Um, temptation needs no explanation. We all know what, what temptation is. It's an enticement to sin. And um, to try to persuade a person to not trust or obey, that that's, goes to the heart of the temptation. Um, so not everyone reacts the same way in similar circumstances. But everyone goes through trials. We all respond differently. Um, even in similar circumstances, we, we respond uh, differently. But we all go through trials in our lives. Um, <clears throat> so when James starts off with opening this subject, he says, count it great joy. Who does that? Nobody, nobody volunteers to go through trials. It's just not in our DNA. We, 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 we count it all joy when we can avoid trials, not when we, when we have to go through them. And, and <clears throat> not only does James say count it joy, but he says count it great joy. He, he puts an uh, adverb in there, to, to heighten it. And <clears throat> to me, that's, um, how can he say that? How can James say, count it great joy when you go through various trials in life? First thing that James is, is not saying is, he's not saying paint a smile on your face no matter how painful it is. Always, don't, doesn't matter what you're, what you're feeling inside. Paint that smile on your face. That's not what James is saying. He's also not saying that we should find some pleasure in pain. Some masochistic, masochistic pleasure in, in pain. That's, that's not what he's saying either. He is saying that trials and testing can be profitable and beneficial if we view them properly. Um, 
it, it, it has to deal, it's, it's not so much based on the trial, it's based on our perspective of the trial. Um, my wife has had this, this saying that she has a little, I don't know, a placard kind of a thing that's, I think it's on a magnet, but it's, it's followed us around over the years, and, and uh, whenever I see it, I'm, I'm reminded of it. It says, joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. And how true that is. James would, James would agree with that. He would say, you can count it great joy in your life when you go through various trials because God is going to take that and use that for your benefit. If you pass the, the, the test, if you weather the storm, if you endure patiently through those trials. Now, I want to point out uh, something here. In verse 3, um, James says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your, in, your endurance has a chance to grow. That word tested was used often of looking at coins to verify if they were genuine or counterfeit. What James is saying here is, um, when your faith is proved genuine, it will produce um, endurance, and your endurance will have a chance to grow. Um, because God is going to take that and use that in our lives to mold us and to shape us into the people he wants us to be. Um, it's a process, like I said, it's a process nobody volunteers for, but it's necessary. It's, it's one that, that gets our attention when nothing else does. And, and everybody goes through life's trials and tribulations. It, it's anything. Um, it can be um, health needs, um, loss of a job, various trials is, is, is very broad. Whatever gets your attention and creates hardship in your life is what James is talking about. And uh, different people uh, have different, different hardships in their lives. And different things get different people's attention as opposed to um, just, just having the same thing through a bunch of, of uh, different people. Um, God has a unique way of knowing us and knowing what gets our attention. So, um, God wants us to persevere through them instead of running from them. And um, we probably all know of people who have bailed on God, who, um, who went through a hardship and, and said, you know what, this, this is... This is just not for me. I'm not going to. Uh, 
I'm not going to stick with God. They, they, um, they leave the faith. And um, unfortunately, it happens. And it, and it happens somewhat frequently um, in that we know people that, that have gone through that. Um, James is saying God's goal is for us to pass the test, to endure, patiently endure through those trials. So it can, can create in us the work that God wants us to, uh, to mold us and shape us into the people he wants us to be. Um, James anticipates that this is not an easy thing to accept. Um, what's the first question that people ask when, when trials or, or tribulation come along and it really gets their attention? There you go. You got it. Why me? Why, why me? Why am I going through this? James anticipates that and he answers it kind of in two different ways here. The first, the first way um, is, he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He just previously said, if you go through these trials, you're, you're going to be lacking nothing. You're not going to need anything. But if you do need wisdom, if you do need something, ask God. God has promised for us to give us wisdom, and, and what that wisdom is, I believe, is to see what's going on in the midst of this trial, what God wants to do in our lives, and to, to see the trial from God's perspective. Not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. Um, so James says, ask for wisdom. Um, Wisdom is seeing life realistically from God's perspective. Um, as we read this verse in the context, it's not a promise that God will give to everyone who asks him for wisdom a higher IQ. That's not what this is about. What God promises in this context is the ability to see the importance of enduring trials and persevering in them faithfully. James, James points out that faith is a prerequisite in prayer. Um, and whenever we, whenever we ask God for something, in faith, it, in Scripture, it means one of two things. It means either believing God will do what he's promised, or if he has not promised, believing that he can do what the person, that he can do what the person is requesting. One of those two things, that's praying in faith. Um, James says, not with divided or ulterior motives. Um, when you think about divided loyalty in the midst of trials, what comes to your mind? Anything come to your mind? How might a person have divided loyalty in the midst of trials? Um, 
may be seeking help from some source outside of God. Bookstores are full of self-help books. Um, counselors are full of advice uh, who, who lack a biblical worldview. There are any number of sources from, uh, that we can go to outside of God and try to find wisdom about why we're going through various trials. James says, you're not going to get an answer from God if you do that. He said, go to God and believe that he will answer your prayer, because he will. He will give you the wisdom and the insight to see this trial from his perspective. So, unfortunately... um, he talks about the double-minded man, um, the double-minded man who who trusts in human resources when it's when it suits him, and trusts in God when that suits him, and that's that's the exact opposite of acting in faith and asking God to uh, give you wisdom in the midst of a trial. So happy is the man who patiently endures trial. Oops, I forgot here. I I skipped a part. The second part of what James anticipates is the fact that your economic status is not going to make a difference in terms of trials. He said the, um, the poor man has spiritual riches and the rich man, his... His material riches are only temporary. They're fleeting um, and they're they're nothing in terms of a resource for coping with the trials. I'm sure you all realize how how quickly uh, riches can and, and economic status can change. Um, one has only to look at the last three or four months in the stock market and, and see how, how crazy that's been in the midst of an unseen bug. I mean, it's just, it's just nuts when you think about it. Who, who, would, who would put their, their, their trust and their, their um, resources and, and all of their eggs in one basket in terms of wealth for coping with life's trials. Someone who doesn't know God. Because if you know God, there's just no comparison. Um, the riches can disappear faster than o- overnight. You know, um, they, uh, they just will not last. So James anticipates um, those two things, the lack of wisdom and the fact that um, uh, economic status is not going to make a difference in terms of trials. Um, So why me? Because God is in the business of molding and shaping you into the person he wants you to become. And trials are a 
one of the ways in which he uses to, to make that happen. Um, when you get down to um, verse 12, um, James changes the, the trials into temptations. He talks about, <clears throat> and I, I'm not sure why he does this, if there was, if there was some um, teaching going around that um, had God as the author of temptation, um, he's, he certainly addresses that. Whether that was an issue or not, um, we, we just don't know. Uh, may well have been. Um, but he talks about temptation, and, and we get a little insight into temptation from what, what James says. Um, uh, remember when you're tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Um, the source of temptation is, uh, comes from about three, three different sources. The world, our own desires, or Satan. Those, those three things... Um, are the source of temptation in our lives. And uh, God wants us to resist the temptation, to pass the test. Not everybody does. Maybe not even in your own life. It doesn't happen. Um, God is, is wanting us to resist the temptation um, and not allow it to turn into sin. Um, James adds that um, there is a progression to temptation. There's enticement, there's conception, and then there's death. A, a progression that, that temptation leads ultimately through sin and into death. So what practical difference does it make if God tempts us or he allows us to experience temptation from other sources, isn't it the same thing? It is different. And I've, I've kind of written a, or I've kind of quoted one of the um, best explanations that, that I think kind of clear this up. Perhaps we can better appreciate the difference if we think of God as our father. No good earthly father would deliberately seduce his child into sin by trying to make him or her fall. However, every good father will deliberately allow his child to enter situations in life in which the child must make moral choices. We realize that sending a child to school or into the community at the proper age is good for a child because it matures him or her. Likewise, God grows us up by, allows, by allowing certain experiences to mold us. 
though he himself only gives good gifts to his children. Similarly, a school teacher will test his students to help them grow, but he should never tempt them to do evil. It's the process by which God allows us to experience um, things in life which make us more mature, um, which mold us and shape us into the people God wants us to be. Um, <clears throat> James' explanation and defense of God for those who doubted God's goodness or his reliability um, in a time of testing and had concluded that that was their fate. He, he said, James remind us, reminds us of God's judgment. God is, is always fair. In verse 15, let's see here. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Oh, that's 16. Um, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Um, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God always gives what's, what's good for his people. Um, he always has, I, I like to say it this way, God always has our best interest at heart. He's always doing what's good for us. Sometimes it's allowing us to experience or go through a process to get us to a place of maturity. Um, and, and that happens. But God never entices us to sin. Everything good comes from God, and that never changes. We are God's prized possession. In all the universe, we are God's prized possession. Why would he try to get us to fail? God always has our best interest at heart. Um, and then in verse 18, James reminds us of God's grace via God's message of truth. Um, the word of God. God continues to enlighten us, to teach us through his word and um, help us through those times of trial and tribulation uh, through his word and speaking to us in that way. His spirit making, making his truth known through the scriptures. Um, there's a good illustration of of how this works in a person's life in the Old Testament. Um, many of you may remember Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was um, Isaac's son born to him at an old age. He was daddy's favorite. Um, he had um, the coat of many colors that um, he wore very uh, pronounced he liked to show it off in in front of his brothers and uh, really give him uh, kind of an elevated status and then and then Joseph had some dreams dreams about the fact that um, one day all his older brothers 
were going to bow down to him. And he, he didn't have any trouble um, sharing his dream with the older brothers. What that did was it made them um, recognize how, how special Joseph was treated and, and how ordinary they were treated. So um, one day, Isaac sends Joseph to check up on the, on the brothers and see how they're doing tending the sheep. They spot Joseph a long way off and decide now is the time when we can eliminate the, our Joseph problem. So they throw Joseph in the, in the pit and um, basically they plot to kill him, um, but um, Reuben intervenes and says he... He's going to come back and get Joseph out of the pit later. But while he's gone, they spot some Ishmaelite uh, traders in a caravan. And Simeon decides, hey, we can make a few bucks off of Joseph. So let's sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. That, that takes place. Joseph ends up in uh, um, Potiphar's house. And God blesses Joseph in, in remarkable ways. But um, one of the trials, one additional trial, he's already been through a few trials already. Um, I'm sure life was not fun being a slave in the Ishmaelite caravan. Um, but he ends up with uh, Potiphar's wife being attracted to him and uh, having designs on him. And um, though he resists that temptation, uh, she accuses him of attempted rape. So um, into jail, Joseph goes. Potiphar believes his wife doesn't matter what Joseph says. Joseph's a slave in the household. So um, another trial comes along Joseph's way. He ends up in jail. And um, because he can interpret dreams, um, there is a baker and a um, cupbearer in the cell with, uh, with Joseph, and he relay, re relays to them uh, a dream that he had, which turns out good for the, um, I think it's the cupbearer, and bad for the, for the uh, baker. At any rate, a few years down the road, another couple of years he spends in jail, um, the king has a dream. And he cannot understand it. All of the king's wise men uh, cannot explain the dream to the king. And the, and the king recognizes that these wise men are just kind of telling him things that he might want to hear. Um, but the cupbearer mentions Joseph to the king. And so the king goes and gets Joseph out of jail, and Joseph, God gives Joseph the interpretation for the dream. 
Well, the dream is that there's going to be a huge famine in all of the land. And um, so the Pharaoh sets Joseph up as the man in charge of the crops. God blesses Joseph again because of his uh, uh, continued faithfulness to God. And um, the famine comes. Joseph uh, very wisely um, stores up the grain. And, and then pretty soon it affects Joseph's long-lost brothers. Joseph's long-lost brothers come over to Egypt to buy grain. Um, through a, a series of um, oh, cat and mouse kind of uh, scenarios that Joseph plays on the brothers and wanting to find out he, how Benjamin was, his younger brother, um, they get uh, Isaac over into um, into Egypt, and uh, everybody, the all of Joseph's family, gets grain and and buys grain and stuff. Well, when Isaac dies, the brothers start thinking about um, all the problems that Joseph's had and how it all started with them throwing him in the pit and selling him to the Ishmaelite caravan. Joseph, um, so they're worried that Joseph is now, he's in a position to exact revenge. And um, they're, they're very concerned that Joseph's, now that, now that Isaac is dead, they're very concerned that Joseph's going to get his revenge on them because of all the, the wrongdoing that, that he had done, that the brothers had done to Joseph so many years ago. And um, I'm, I'm just going to read a, a short little bit out of uh, Genesis chapter 50, um, which, uh, which kind of shows you all these things that Joseph went through the trials and tribulations that Joseph went through were for his maturing process for God to make him into the person God wanted him to be. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for his good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. 
No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So reassured them by speaking kindly to them. They meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. That's, that's what happens in the midst of trials and tribulations in our lives. They happen. Our response is to patiently endure them and to seek wisdom if we need to see this from God's perspective, to learn what God wants to teach us through these trials and tribulations, and for God to mold us and to shape us into the people he wants us to be. Any questions about that? That, that clear? Good. Let's, um, let's close in prayer. Father, we, we openly admit we don't volunteer for trials. We sometimes have a hard time seeing the joy in that. Father, help us as we, as we endure trials, and we all endure trials. Help us as we endure them to see those trials from your perspective. What you want us to teach us, what you want us to learn, how you want to mature us into the people that you want us to be. Mold us and shape us into that beautiful, dazzling diamond from, from what begins as a raw lump of coal. Father, we, just, uh, we thank you for James and, and how, he, how he has so explained this, this process how you work in our lives. Thank you for that. Dismiss us with your blessing now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.